it's not easy, but you know, that, therein lies the, 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 what it means to be human is to, is to see problems and, and together want to find solutions. Hi, everybody. Welcome to uh, the BCHA podcast, the Housing First podcast, we're calling it. And this is going to be episode two that we're on now. Um, and today, uh, so I'm Alex, and today we're joined by uh, Mike Knowles um, of BCHA and from Stuart and Mick of Exeter Homes Partnership. Um, so today we're going to have a little bit of a chat about um, co-production and some other sort of related issues to co-production. And um, well, probably the best thing for me to do is kind of throw it open, really. I was hoping that one of you gentlemen might be able to give me an explanation of what you think co-production is. Co-production? Uh, well, I, I, I think it's about um, involving people with who, who have lived experience in the, 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 the delivery of services, part, partly because that they can provide a useful insight into um, the policies and procedures that services adopt, um, uh, but also that they can you know, relate to the people that are accessing those services in, in a very unique way. Uh, and yeah, and they have an, an awareness of uh, the needs of service users, which enables them to uh, em emphasize from a place of personal experience. And I think using people with lived experience helps because they are effectively acting as role models. You know, there, there, there is a journey and a route out also of, uh, in, in our case, um, of, of homelessness. It's about giving people a voice. I think, and making that voice heard and treating people as equal. Um, this is Stuart speaking. Um, I guess there's all the definitions I, I learned um, when I applied for a job with co-production in the title, and there's what it's like sort of 18 months, two years in, in real life. I suppose the, the most condensed thing I could say, it's doing with people and not doing to people. Nice little buzz phrase, but it's true. It's quite alien to a lot of the cultures I've worked in within the voluntary sector and the statutory sector. One of the key differences, as well as obviously involving people with the lived experience as equals. So it's not designing something and then getting them in a room and get them all to broadly agree and just change a few things around the edges. It's about starting a process together where you've got a broad agreement where you want to be. And I guess the last most important principle is around mistakes and that mistakes are a good thing. And the culture of um, there's no place for blame and mistakes are part of the design process. They are necessary. So there has to be an intentionality to try things knowing that they might go wrong because then it's an iterative process. Then you can try again. And those are quite challenging when you've worked in a sometimes blame culture. Um, so that's, that's, that's my take on co-production. Wonder if um, Stuart and or Mick, if you, if you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, perhaps what Exeter Homes Partnership are doing and what you're hoping to achieve. Yeah, hi. Yeah, thanks. Um, this is Mick. Um, yeah, so my, my, my background in, in the EHP is, is lived experience. So just to touch upon the, um, the co-production element of it, it's, it's uh, 
you know, there was a sense of about bloody time, really, you know, um, which was afforded to us through AHP. Um, so my, so my, my, you know, that's, that, that was my inroad with it. I, I see EHP or I've grown accustomed to it, to view it as what it is, as, as rather than a standalone organisation, as a, as a more of an umbrella that is bringing um, already existing organisations um, and bodies of people within Exit together for, a, for a, a, a sort of more of a single purpose. So Exeter Homers Partnership is a three-year comic relief funded project, which was established by um, local stakeholders, homeless charities, homeless departments within local authorities, specifically a handful of individuals um, as opposed to the entire organizations, but you know, it, it's moved towards the whole organizations all being supportive. Ultimately ending homelessness in Exeter. That's the, that's the aspiration. And there are assumptions that what we need to be able to do that is a citywide approach, a one which a member of the public, a local business, a faith-based group, or a person who has lived experience of homelessness can all contribute, participate as equals in a more coordinated fashion than is sometimes the case. So that, that's probably it in a nutshell. And we're about just over, yeah, we'll be coming up to the end of year two in June, and then we'll have one year left of the project. So Mick, I was really, because one, one of the comments you made, uh, you, you talked about coming from a background with lived experience and you, in your words were sort of about time. What, I mean, what sort of difference do you think it makes to services having this element of co-production, having people with lived experience alongside I think in, in, in a, if you look at a, a, a sort of political, I don't want to sway into politics, but if you look at a political model of democracy, um, you know, it's everybody having their say. And, and with something like this, um, you know, the, the homeless services are, are all, you know, they've got good intentions, but there's no consultation with the people that are doing the work for. And, and you know, I know that's not by, you know, in, intent. Um, so to, so to to involve the people with homelessness in the decision making, you know, it sounds revolutionary, but it's um, it's it's vital. You know, it's so important that, that they get their say because they are. When I say they, you know, what I mean, I don't exclude myself from my 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 background um, of that, but they are the most marginalised and and um, you know, sort of disenfranchised people that, that in this kind of work environment so um it's vital that you know we're the, the sort of slow the, the slogan of experts by experience really comes into play you know if there's a if, there, if there's a structural problem within that then ask the people it's affecting you know what how to how to fix it um and, and it is a bold mission statement to end homelessness in exit within a, a time span um but it's it's achievable, you know, and it's not to say that it's going to be without difficulties and, and and problems. But you know, it's in this day and age, it seems like such a simple thing to fix. Um, so to get everybody involved, particularly people who are affected by it directly, um, it's yeah, it's a no-brainer, you know.
No, I think that's really, really powerful, Mick. And um, I, you know, really like this idea of aiming uh, to, to end homelessness in Exeter. Uh, and BCHA, we, one of our values as an organisation or goals as an organisation is to end homelessness, which is a really bold uh, goal, but but also like I really like that kind of, that spirit of, um, you know, why not? Why not Why not be bold? And why not try to to, to work together to, to take on something? Like you say, yeah, you know, should should it really exist in, in, in a modern, modern democratic society? So, Mike, from from your perspective, then you so you work on a co-production project for BCHA. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about what what you're doing, with, perhaps, with BCHA for co-production, and <coughs> might be good to see how that links in with uh, Extra Homes Partnership and the work Extra that Stuart and Mick are doing? Yeah. yeah, just a little bit of background then. Um, so, my title or role, if you like, is peer mentor and co-production development worker. Uh, it, it's, it's a two-year project funded by Homeless Link and, and sitting within Housing First uh, in BCHA. I, I, well, I, I think, like I said before, the aim of co-production, I think, is to talk to as many people as possible, um, possibly including those that currently don't use services, about giving people with lived experience an opportunity to have their voice heard, which, which I said a bit earlier tonight. Um, and that, what we're hoping to develop or what we are developing is uh, opportunities for people to, to to have their voice heard so we've, we've got um, a menu of options if you like um, all with a view to this having an impact on how services are created and and, and delivered and so we don't want it to be you know a tick box just another job tokenistic experience i mean it, 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 it needs to be real and and the challenge is sort of embedding that within bcha and, and and its culture so what we're going to do we've got the peer mentoring program so we're recruiting people with lived experience of homelessness to help uh in delivering the service in 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 a, in a unique way that adds value to what we're doing already as working with our customers because of the unique place that people with different experience have and the knowledge that they have they may be able to have conversations with people that caseworkers can't have so we're recruiting people to help with the delivery of the service i just had a thought then about what sort of change do i want to see and and what 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 i've noticed is not not only do we want to embed it within the way service is delivered but which is on like a macro level, if you like. Um, but we see change happening on a very uh, micro level. We see people who are, you know, speaking out, developing more confidence, um, you know, trying to change uh, the way they lead their lives, leave behind old friendship groups, if you like. They really see the value of, of what we're trying to do. Based on their own experience, people have been saying, you know, I want people to receive the sort of help that I didn't have when when I was homeless, and I, I find that I find that very moving. Um, so that's that's a peer mentoring bit. So we're also hoping to set up uh, an expert panel. Uh, again, people who are currently using BCH services, and that is with a view to uh, I've, I've drafted something. We're talking about sort of six, eight, ten people. Um, Give them access to um, strategic boards or to, to the leadership team. We're going to be offering a training package because 
it's not a case of saying, right, here you all are, here you go. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of preparation involved. And that's co-production, really, isn't it? It takes time. And I, I think the agency needs need to be aware of that. Um, but I think the expert panel can sit in quite a unique place. It can have access to process policy and have an impact on that. But it, it can also represent the voice and the views of customers as well. So it, it almost sits right in the middle of, of, of what we're trying to do. We've got the podcast. We're rolling that out, of course. Uh, that's another way of giving people an opportunity to have their voices heard. And, and, and diary rooms as well, which I think are going to be located in each of the BCHA buildings, Bournemouth, Yeovil, Exeter, and, and Plymouth. And it, it could be a physical space uh, with, with computers, um, conferencing equipment, a private space for BCH customers. Uh, really, it can be for practical reasons like making online ac uh, uh, you know, applications uh, to support them in that way. But it can also be a place for people to to tell their own story as well. And I think telling stories is really important. I think it's time for self-reflection. The time they can be quite a therapeutic process. So that that's our menu of opportunities that we're developing at the moment. Uh, yeah, I'm rolling those out to BCHA customers. I thought I'd come back to you, uh, Mick and, and Stuart. Um, what what have you what have you found have been some of the key challenges uh, that, that you faced in in the work that you're doing, and uh, what have you what have you learned from those things? I think coming coming from um, from my perspective anyway, and, and and I think my perspective will be obviously different from from Stuart's. Um, from my my perspective. Um, coming from that, that lived experience background, even though I've done a lot of, made a lot of inroads over, you know, over the last sort of five years or so, maybe more, is is to first-hand witness the challenges of coming from a, a non-professional background, and to to, you know, witness the uh, the prejudices and and and, you know, the cultures, not necessarily within individuals, but within the systems. Um, that you know that the people like myself from that background and, and people that are still live in that way that they face you know it's not being heard and having assumptions made um so to to you know to have to move into a place of of not only having a voice but your voice is important and you're welcomed and decisions are based upon what you say and what your experience was and is and what you how you feel and you know, it's um, it's illuminating, you know, and, and very liberating. So to come together, but to meet with um, professional bodies and organisations that not only encourage that and welcome it, but to champion it and, and to want to work alongside that with complete integrity is, you know, it's, it's a message not just for, for homeless work or for the homeless sector, but I think just just on a human level, you know, on a societal level, to move forward, if we all have that that approach, you know, it's um, without sounding too hippie and 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 you know philosophical or existential, you know, it does bring it down to the human condition and to what it means to to function in a in a, an inclusive society, and uh, you know, it's magical, man. It is. It's really it really is magical, and it's not easy, but. You know, that therein lies the, 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 the what it means to be human is to is to 
see problems and, and together want to find solutions. Pandemic hasn't helped. Um, but in and of itself, it, it's created some opportunities. Um, delivering co-production, and I've, I haven't had the, the word co-production in my job title before. Delivering co-production in and of itself is co-production. You are learning what co-production is as you are doing co-production and you are making mistakes and then hopefully improving and you're challenging yourself to do things in a co-produced way when your muscle memory sometimes is not to. So that's interesting. I don't know if it fits here or another question. I'll allow myself one, one analogy. It's one of the better ones, honest. It is about, it's, it's like a rubber band, which, you know, what we're doing is, is stretching that rubber band, which is the, the homeless system into a tightly different shape and putting little pins in to hold it there because as soon as you don't as soon as there isn't an intentionality to to, to do things differently um, that muscle memory of that rubber band just goes back to what it was so there has to be you know pins in place to hold it otherwise it just reverts to the norm and then again as mick said it's that's not about blaming individuals it's about a system a system which has evolved in a certain way, which excludes people. It, it, we do to people. And on a personal level, there's a lot of growth and learning as well about uh, yeah, your own practice and, and how you approach things, um, which is refreshing because co-production not only it allows, but it requires authenticity. You know, we're all slightly different in different groups if you're with your boss rather than with your friends down the pub or whatever. Um, but within that, there has to be authenticity with, with the people you're working with. Otherwise, it, I don't think it works. There has to be honesty for it to work. No, and I like this message of like learning. And I think that, yeah, this, actually, I, I love the rubber band analogy. Um, I was talking to a colleague yesterday about how we bring in co-production uh within bcha and you know even just happen to recognize myself that if, I, if i'm busy if i've got lots of things on lots of pressures and suddenly it's it's i, I find it interesting we, we're really trying to embed co-production what in what we do but that like you say that muscle memory that kind of thought to just go back to what i'm used to oh i can get this done so much more quickly if i just crack on with it myself and um and like you know like mick said it, it's not it's not an intentionality to it, to exclude people but actually the result probably of that that attitude is that people are excluded from being involved in steps of the process that they could otherwise uh be involved with so i think i think that's really humbling and i think it's really important for us all to 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 reflect and and as you've said um Stuart, actually about giving each other the space to reflect and not blame not blame one another be part of i suppose a, an ongoing conversation about the about these issues and about the challenges that, that we're all we all face in, in trying to bring this alive i suppose i, th I think my, my background in uh local authority social work people done to and doing to um and uh, yeah the phrase muscle memory is is, is a good one um i i I, I don't want to be policy and procedural driven, but one of my frustrations has been um, the fact that the organization has its own responsibilities uh, as far as 
things like safeguarding is concerned. And it, 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 it felt counterintuitive to ask volunteers to apply for a DBS, apply for references, in a way putting people with lived experiences through the same processes that we'd put uh, or that we'd ask um, you know, potential employees to go through. And so the challenge for me was balancing the needs of the organisation with, with what we're asking people with lived experience to join and be a part of. And then getting the co-production, sort of corporate buy-in, if you like, which I think has happened fairly recently, most notably following some video discussions that we had and we shared with the, um, with the uh, BCHA board, which, which clearly have had a very, very big impact. And they, they, they were very moving, moving stories and moving accounts of, of, of people's experience of, of homelessness, but also of the service that, that they received from BCHA as well. A culture shift is not only about um, recruiting people, training people up, it's about having conversations with people in paid positions, if you like, or people in positions of some authority and power, and, and actually almost training people to let go of power as well, um, to actually receive people as, as equals. So I, th I think there's work to be done on both sides of the same coin. And so what about um, key successes that you've seen? What, um, what ground, we've spoken about some of the, kind of the, challenge, some of the challenges that we face, but what, what ground do we think we've covered? Where, what's some of the distance we've, we've travelled in terms of, yeah, maybe overcoming some of those challenges or fulfilling some of the goals that you, that you set out with? I guess, yeah, an incremental um, culture change, small successes that, you know, they are small, but they're, they're significant. Um, so I've worked, you know, in homelessness for probably six or seven years. And to the best of my knowledge, I've never been in a meeting where there was somebody with lived experience there for that purpose, who had identified themselves as having lived experience, who were there as equals around the table, supported and facilitated to contribute, which is just shocker, you know, and I, I, I was as responsible for that as anybody else in terms of being part of the system. That is a culture change. All the meetings that we host or any that we are invited to, we ensure that a member of our lived experience group is invited to attend and is afforded the same knowledge and information as everybody else to contribute. So that's a, a, a small but significant achievement. It's no longer an alien thing it's expected now and quite rightly so that's a small one i'm proud of that i'm glad has changed i think for, i think for me it's uh, not to get bogged down in semantics but it, it kind of depends upon how you measure or view success um you know overall success is sort of finite you know so there's stages of of of, of change there's shifts or the shifting sands of change and and just just on a on a from a personal perspective, you know, over my time being involved with EHP alone over the last eighteen months coming up, coming up to two years, you know, I've seen and, and the, you know the, the pandemic has had a, a, a sort of muffling effect on 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 them things, um, but I've seen a lot of the change. I mean, in a, in a privileged position to be able to see that grow and and for people to have voices. And to see certain things roll out 
um, given extremely difficult circumstances that are affecting the whole of, of society. Um, you know, so it's that success I, I, I do see, um, but it just, for me, it inspires the, the, the need to, to keep pushing that, you know, it's, I don't think until, you know, unless we, we reach a sort of utopian society, which I don't think is, is impossible, you know, it's going to take a long time, but we can't, we can't rest on laurels and think, yeah, we've cracked it. You know, it's like success should just be another um, step that we go, right, we, we were there, we're now here, let's keep moving forward. You know, I'm saying, you know, obviously around the, the subject of homelessness, I, I, I hope and I, and I like to think that at some point in the future, um, as, as we do now, we look back on like Victorian society and where people used to throw their human waste out the window. And, and we look back on that and think, wow, how times have changed. Can dream of doing that now. That we look back and, you know, it's generations in the future, they'll look back and, and think, wow, people used to be homeless and sleep on the streets. Wow. Can't imagine that. You know, that's that's my kind of idealism around that, that it's, you know, there's there's a universal understanding and, and sympathy to how that is so wrong. And, and not just how wrong it is, but how culturally people are ignored who are, who are on the streets and, and stigmatised and assumptions made rather than hearing their individual um, stories and, you know, whatever brought them there that, you know, they're not all put in the same category, you know, and that they matter as human beings, that they count, they matter regardless of of what life has, has presented to them, How, however broken and beaten up they were by life, um, they still count and they still matter. And, you know, hopefully that at some point homelessness will be put to bed and, and be considered a, a draconian thing of the past. So we have a homeless charter for the city and it's based on three principles. And one of those is a need for challenging conversations. And again, using broad brushstrokes, it is often the case that one attends meetings and everyone nods in agreements, usually with the person with the most power and authority. And then when everyone goes outside for a break, they all say how they really feel. And then when you go back in, everyone toes the line. Um, what we've tried to do in the meetings that we host um, is encourage and nurture honest, challenging conversations. Trying to shift that culture a little, that it's okay to challenge each other and to you know use a far wiser person than I's words is, it's just words. They're, they're noises that come out of our mouths. So all parties are going to walk out of the room at the end of this without any bruises. And now it's Zoom. It's um, it's a whole new ball game, but it's okay to challenge. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to be challenged. Um, so we, I've seen that change. I've seen some colleagues from from um, statutory sector talk candidly at, at a meeting, and then catch themselves and apologise. I said, no, don't <laughs> don't apologise. That's good. The biggest realisation, uh, which it shouldn't be really, is. For, for any of us working in homelessness, engaging with people who have multiple complex needs, 
who've had trauma and addiction and mental health issues and the physical um, impacts of, of rough sleeping, all of those things and, and how those manifest. One can be forgiven for sometimes not realizing the potential of that person, seeing those behaviors, perhaps seeing what they're expressing and their, their pain and sometimes forgetting or, or thinking that that's the person. What I've seen is when you give any person of any background uh, the training they need, the support, time, patience, encouragement, and all of those things, the, the group that I have working on this project are incredible individuals with a huge amount to, to contribute, far more than I have to contribute. And I suspect that is the case for every single person we work with. It's just that the small group I work with have been afforded all of those things of training, space, agency, autonomy, permission to screw up, all those things. And then you see the real person, their potential and their insight and their expertise. It's incredible. So there's a long way to go if it is the case, which I suspect it is, every single one of the people we work with have that same um, potential. Yeah, that sort of sentiment kind of takes me back a little bit to what Mick said earlier, um, which, I, which I noted down. Um, which is something about it, that that is what it means to be a function in society you know where we work together to find solutions i think actually that to me that's become my little that might actually be my little catchphrase that i take away from that it's just yeah it's, it's really beautiful probably what will be our last question and you guys can take this how however you want to really if somebody was looking to do what you do what piece of advice would you give them and um, how i don't i don't know how somebody would define, I don't know how I would define what it is I do. I, I've, I'm, I'm just in a place um, where I'm able to be heard and put across my passion um, to affect change and be involved in that change, um, sort of grassroots really. Uh, but what I would say is that, you know, I hope there's a big cultural shift happening. I believe there is. Um, I'm not is is my message would be to um, don't accept no, you know, believe in yourself and, and hold on to what you believe in and everybody's important, regardless of whatever social status or, or identity or label is put on you. Is that you count and you matter, like I said earlier, you know, and, and your experience, your, your voice, your reason, your passion your loves, your hates are all valid. And th there's a place for that, you know, and there's a need for that. And that, and that doesn't exclude people who aren't directly affected by homeless as well. It's all valid. It's all, it's all necessary. It's all accumulative and, you know, people that are marginalized and, and, and excommunicated or, or, you know, all them buzzwords is that there's a place, you know, and, and, the world is a good place. This is this is one of the things I found out. My lived experience led me to believe that I was a bad person, um, living in a bad world, full of bad people. Um, and as bleak as that sounds, that that was kind of my reality. That was my belief system based upon you know childhood and how, and, and, and how I experienced life myself. To come out of that to move into recovery and to move into um, a society where I was previously 
um, almost a pariah. And to find out that the, the truth is that the, the world is a good place and, and it is full of good people. And it's full of good people that care, majoritively. So bad things happen in life and bad systems and bad people here and there. That was a complete revolution in, in my thinking and in my belief system. So to know that what you hold on to in your heart, if it's good, there's a place for it. And, you know, we are essentially all the same. I think we're just guided by our experience, our expectations, status, commercialism. Yeah, there's hope for everybody. You know, it doesn't matter how damaged and broken you are or where you are in your life. Um, there's hope that, that things can be good and things can come good. And more than that, there is good people that are willing to help you. Um, one of one of my another one of my sort of revelations in life was when I decided I'd had enough of living the way that I lived was to was to surrender and, and, and say I can't do this anymore, I can't live like this anymore. And, and to ask for help because I didn't know how to not live that way was to let go and, and say I need help. And, and, and I was amazed when, you know, the, the, the hands of not necessarily friendship, but of support and, and care were reached out and said, yeah, we'll help you, what, what do you need? That blew me away, man. And I really blew me away that I, I, I arrived at a point where I was broken and beaten and, and I'd hurt people and affected society in a negative way and, and was in pain. I said, I can't do this anymore. And, and, and people said, you know, we'll help you. What do you need? It may seem like a no brainer to most people, but when, you, when you've lived a life of, 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 of pain and, and hurt and, and that is reflected back on you, to, to be able to turn that around and, 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 and see the kindness in people in society is, uh, is mind blowing, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm all for that and I'm all for, you know, social inclusion and, and for, for a bit of peace and love and uh, helping my fellow man or woman. I suppose all remains for me to say is to thank all of you for taking your time to have a conversation today. I've, I've really appreciated it personally learned a lot from hearing each of you speak so yeah for me just to say thank you very much to all of you thank you thank you i'd just like to end with a short song um i just need to go and get my uh loot it's a 17th century no thank you alex <laughs> <laughs>